Jesus' heart is revealed in his actions. It's supported uh, by his words. Essentially, what he is, he does. And that's what we find uh, Jesus Christ to be. That's what we find Jesus Christ, uh, who he is. Again, what he is, uh, he does. And it's something that we need to take on in our life. It's a characteristic that we need to apply in our daily living as well. Now, I say this this morning, and I'll give you another verse here, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 2 and 3, where Paul says, Ye are our epistle, written in our hearts, known and read of all men. For as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in the fleshly tables of the heart. Now, beloved, an epistle is a letter. A letter like you would receive in the mail, one that today obviously you'd receive electronically. But of the 14 times the word epistle is used in the Bible, two of them are referring to the lives of people, the lives of a church, Christians, if you will, in reference to their testimony, how they conduct themselves outside of the four walls of this building. And it's like I mentioned last week, guys, about our life being a canvas, one in which we paint and delineate and shade daily. Our life is also a letter. It's a letter, a book, you may say. And each day, week, month, and year form a different chapter in our life. And our life, or letter, if you will, Guys, is read by those around us, by souls that we see on a daily basis, as well as those we don't even know are there. They're reading our moves, they're reading our actions, they're reading our reactions, our replies, and our requests. And unbeknownst to us, often they are making decisions in their life based on what is read in ours. Good decisions, as well as bad. Now, before you go off uh, the trail of, well, that's just not fair, life isn't fair, and that's not fair that people should be reading my life and making a decision in there, can I say this to you this morning? No one promised you a fair life, okay? I know we don't want to hear that, because we think we, it, it, life should be fair, and that, but that's, we're, show me somewhere in the Holy Scripture where life was ever told or promised you to be fair. It was never an assurance that a life on this earth between here and eternity was going to be fair or was going to be equal or sometimes even kind. You're in control of your epistle. You're in control of the epistle that people read. You're in control of how you live and how you build upon which foundation is in this life as you form the letter for others to read. Now, guys, the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians in chapter uh, 3.11, For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Turn me down just a little. For the child of God, guys, there is but one foundation, and that is the solid rock, Jesus Christ. You do not have a choice once you get saved and born again. Uh, you are building upon his foundation. You cannot step to the side and say, well, I don't, you're already there. There is no, it's just like the race that we read about in Hebrews. You cannot get out of the race. Once you're saved and born again, you are in the race. Whether or not you run a good race or fight a good fight or fight a good warfare or write a good letter, that's your choice. Jesus is the solid rock foundation, and he is a solid rock. The Bible tells us in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and in verse 4, he says, And did all drink of that same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. There are only two foundations in this world today in which the letter that is read and known amongst all men may be built upon. 
Matthew chapter 7 gives a clear presentation of this, saying, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and they beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. Now the contrast of that is in the next two verses. And every one that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. Beloved, I say this to you here this morning. How our letter is read is based on how we live, and how we live is greatly determined on which foundation we are building upon today. As a saved man or woman, many times we are going to, uh, we are going to be the only Bible that those in this world ever read. When people know or see or hear about Jesus Christ, they're going to reference your life and how you conduct your ways. When your letter is read, I ask you this question. What is known? What do people see when they read your letter? What is your legacy in the life that you're leaving in the shadow of your days today? What does it tell in the world around you? As for Jesus, guys, we see yet another example of his heart. We see another example of, of, of who he was or what he was. He did. In our text today in Matthew chapter 8, if you'll just open there, you should already be there from the reading. But in Matthew chapter 8, verses 1 through 3, the Bible says, And when he was come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. Behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. My friend, multitudes were following Jesus Christ. Now, the number at this moment, we have no idea. But I do want to draw a special um, uh, emphasis, if you will, of where we are in the ministry of Jesus Christ. Because I think there are some confusion that we find with certain people and the way that certain, uh, certain parts of the gospel that are taught. And we're going to remove that this morning. But again, the number at the moment when he comes down off this mountain, we don't know how many it was. And we, we have no idea. Uh, but, but I do believe we know there were many, 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 many people. Because it says a great multitude. Now, beloved, chapter 8 of the book of Matthew, when you see this phrase, and Jesus comes down from the mountain... The opening phrase to the chapter, this is following the Sermon on the Mount, which began in verse 1 of chapter 5. Now, I don't want you to confuse the discourse of, uh, of Matthew 5 through 7 with Luke, 6, Luke chapter 6, verse 17 through 49. Uh, many people have done that, and they do so today. But in, cha in Luke chapter 6, 17 through 49, that discourse is given on a plain, not in a mountain. Plus, Matthew chapter 8, the disciples have not been called as of yet, at least not all of them. Whereas in Luke 6, they were all present. There's a reason why we need to make sure we, we differentiate between these two. At the closing of Matthew chapter 7, in verse 29, the Bible says, For he taught them as one having authority, and not as the scribes. This, this to me, reminds us of the 12-year-old Jesus, who sat in the temple for three days, asking and answering the questions of those who were 
biblical experts, if you will. Luke 2, verses 46 through 47 says, And it came to pass that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. And all, they that, all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. Beloved, there is an amazing thing when you begin to just look at some individual uh, verses of what's going on in the life of Jesus Christ at the conclusion of this Sermon on the Mount and what happens in the early part of chapter 8 in the book of Matthew and what we're going to see here today. Now, the parallel account to our text, Matthew 8, 2 through 3 is where we're looking, is found in Mark 144. And you write this down, if you will, because in both cases, Jesus cautions the man not to spread the news abroad that he was the Messiah, not to tell anyone that he was healed by Jesus. And the answer of this, guys, is strange, but it's humble instructions that are found in the fact of, uh, of these events that are in Luke chapter 4 and Mark 1 and, and Matthew chapter 8, all of which take place before this time. Luke 4 occurs before Mark 8, or Matthew 8. Luke 4 occurs before uh, Mark chapter 1, meaning that the temptation and the rejection of Jesus Christ's public or official public ministry in the synagogue of Capernaum happened long before this. And you know what the central topic was? What the, I'm, bringing, I'm bringing this together, guys. The central topic in Luke chapter 4, where he was first rejected, verse 27, says, and many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elias, or Elisha, the prophet. And none of them were, was cleansed, saving Naaman the Syrian. And all they in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath and rose up and thrust him out of the city and led him unto the brow of the hill whereon the city was built, that they might cast him down headlong. Jesus Christ's Messiahship had already been rejected by the leaders. And strangely enough, the, the coup de grace, the, the, the coup de grace that, that prompted their rejection was the Old Testament case of Naaman, the leper. And yet in Matthew chapter 8, what do we find? We find a leper coming to our Lord and Savior. The greatest outcast within Judaism. And Jesus says, tell no man. Even in Matthew 16, uh, uh, Jesus Christ was still cautioning his disciples not to mention that he was the Christ, not to mention that he was the Messiah. Then charged he his disciples that they should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ. And it was from that point forward he began to preach and teach of the things that he must suffer, and yet he's still saying, tell no man. So guys, I want to get back to our text this morning. And I want us to see where all of that I just said, all of this that we tied in from Luke 4, Mark 1, Matthew 8, and how we're going to bring it together and to make a point for this morning of what Jesus Christ should mean for us. Getting back to this text and to bring our introduction to a close, I want you to see something in Matthew chapter 8, verse 2. I want you to notice what this leper, this leper calls Jesus. He says, Lord. Notice that. We look there in verse 2. And behold, there came a leper and worshiped and saying, Lord. Chronologically speaking, guys, this is the first time in the New Testament that Jesus was addressed in such a manner. And here's the interesting bit of it. The first one to call him Lord was a leper, a social outcast, a sick person, a person that we'll see in just a moment whose sickness is equated to sin, and we'll see that in a sec. But it's interesting to know that the last man to speak with Jesus Christ in his earthly life before he died on the cross was a criminal 
who addressed Jesus Christ in this manner, Lord, remember me. Lepers and criminals. It, it's no wonder that it's written in the book of Isaiah that he, would, he was numbered with the transgressors. And I understand that that's a prophecy for the cross, that he would be in the midst of the criminals at the cross. But if you begin to look at Jesus Christ's earthly life, that Isaiah 53, 12 seemingly has a, a larger implication now. This leper coming to Jesus, calling him Lord, has a deep and powerful teaching uh, to be associated with. In, in Numbers, chapter, uh, Numbers chapter 12, this is what we find. Uh, Numbers chapter 12 with the story of Miriam uh, on there. The Bible says, uh, let her not be counted. Uh, let her not be as one dead uh, of whom the flesh is half consumed when he cometh out of his mother's womb. Now this is referring to Miriam, and you know the sin of murmuring that she had committed. And uh, this indicates that leprosy is a type or a picture, if you will, of sin. And as such, the contact with the, the, between the leper and Jesus not only makes an excellent sir, a sermon, but because leprosy can only be healed by God. Leprosy could spread if it wasn't kept in check. It could pollute the houses, it could pollute clothes as well as bodies. And a blood sacrifice, according to Leviticus chapters 13 through 15, it was a blood sacrifice that was required for the cleansing. Now, having painted that picture this morning, understanding that the moment following the Sermon on the Mount, between the events in Capernaum, which are, are really and truly the most misinterpreted and inappropriately doctrinally uh, parsed portions of Jesus' life applied today, we find this leper, just in three verses, technically two verses, this leper comes before the Lord. And I want you to notice what he does first. Very simple. We find that he walked up to the Lord. Verse 2 says, there came a leper. That's not deep. That, that's, not a, that's not a secret. There's nothing hidden from that at all. I mean, first off, uh, guys, uh, it would have to be the most difficult thing in the world for this leper to just walk up to Jesus, really to walk up to anyone. Lepers were outcasts. They were unclean. They were removed from the public. You know what they were? They were quarantined. And I think now in 2023, we know a little bit more about quarantine or lockdowns, if you will, uh, coming from 2020, amen. We know a little bit more about it now. We have a little greater understanding of the psychological effects, the emotional effects that a lockdown could have. You know, there was one study revealed that 40.4% of the participants are considered to be psychologically distressed as a result of lockdowns of 2020, which was an increase, an increase of 10% after the second lockdown in comparison to the first. Now, here's what I want you to imagine. Imagine with me this morning, this is your life. Now, guys, I understand. Lockdown wasn't fun. We, uh, I mean, all of it wasn't horrible. We got a lot of housework done. I mean, you got a lot of honeydew lists finished. You got to spend a lot of time together. So it all wasn't treacherous. But imagine this being your life, not just a lockdown, where you couldn't leave for 30 to 60 minutes a day to go do your exercising. As a leper, guys, you have no contact with anyone. Imagine how you would shop, how you would wash clothes, how you would collect water, basic survival needs as an outcast. No matter where you go or what you do, it will be your responsibility to avoid all contact with any person at all. 
meaning you probably couldn't get into a routine of every day because someone else may be walking that side of the street. Someone else may be going to that particular shop. Someone else may be going to that particular well to get water that day. And if they're there, you had to oblige them. You did not have the right of way, but rather stripped of all rights of public life. Imagine that. Imagine living that. And yet, here's what we find. One of the greatest sermons ever given, that really the doctrine that will be uh, uphold, the law, if you will, for the millennial kingdom, chapters 5 through 7, the Sermon on the Mount finishes, and a great multitude sat there and listened. And Jesus comes down from this mountain, and this leper sees him, and all he does is just walk right up to him, risking everything. And say what you will, guys. But this leper knew the chance he was taking. Just like that woman with an issue of blood for 12 years, she knew the risk she was taking by coming in the middle of that throng, in the middle of all those people, just to touch the bottom of Jesus' garment. Just like that woman with the issue of blood, I believe this leper, and I believe it in all of my heart. I believe his faith in the Lord to heal him was greater than the risk that he was going to take. So I ask you this question. As we sit here in our wooden pews, some of them are heated, some of them are not. We sit here from protection of the elements, seemingly so. Most of us are going to get into our cars. It's going to have a comfortable heater. We're going to go home. We're going to have a nice lunch. We're going to sit on a comfortable settee or a chair or something along that line. I wonder... I wonder what's holding us back from reaching our full potential. You say, what do you mean, preacher? How does, that, how does that equate to the leper? The leper was risking all. That leper took the chance of being stoned before he ever got to Jesus. That leper risked the chance that had anyone else seen him walking up toward a multitude of people. being hit with 20, 30, 40 stones before he could ever get a word out. I would say he reached his full potential that morning, wouldn't you, or that day? I would say his faith was quite full when he stepped up and said, Lord, if thou wilt. What do you suppose we're afraid of this morning? Are we afraid of what people think? Let me ask you a question here today, guys. You're Bible believers. You've sat in this church, many of you, for years. You've heard me preach on dispensationalism. You've heard me preach of the soon coming rapture of the church. You've heard me preach on hell. You've heard me preach on heaven. You've seen me give you scripture that is uh, 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 without argument and without controversy the facts of where we're going after this life is over with. What are you afraid of? What are you afraid of in writing in your letter for others to see that they may come to know Jesus Christ? What do you suppose is keeping you from reaching your full potential? My friend, if you're afraid of what people are going to think about you when you share the gospel of Jesus Christ, no matter how young you are, no matter how old you are, if you're afraid of that, I would be more concerned with what my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ thinks of me than anybody else around me. 
especially on that day of judgment when we stand before him. And the word of God is going to separate the thoughts and the intents of our heart. Oh, our thought was, I needed to share the gospel with Julie here. My intention was, hang on a second, if I, if I, if I step out on faith and I start sharing that gospel, she's going to think I'm one of those crazy people. She's going to think I'm some kind of churchgoer, some kind of Bible thumper. She's going to think I'm weird, man. What do you think these people thought of this leper when he walked up a hillside when Jesus Christ was coming down from the mountain? I would imagine there were some people outside of throwing distance, if you will, that thought, man, this guy's lost his ever-loving mind. Now, I'm going to play around. I'm going to play here just a little bit. Imagine being not part of the multitude coming down from the mountain. Imagine being a spectator just over there at the side, just being a spectator of seeing this great multitude coming down from the mountainside, and then here comes this leper. I can see him sitting over there on the rock. Maybe they're having their lunch. I don't know what they're doing. And they saw this leper because he had to bandage himself. He's able to be spotted from miles away of what he is. And they said, hey, Johnny, man, watch this. This leper's walking to this multitude. You know what's getting ready to happen? Okay, wake him up, man. You got to see this, man. This guy's getting ready to get pummeled. Get your iPhone out. Let's video it. Put it out on TikTok about what our people would do today, wouldn't we? Think about it for a second. To, to, to outside observers, they, they thought he's, he's, he's gone mad. They're going to kill him. There's a great multitude coming down. And they're following that one guy right there. What is he doing? The leper said himself, I don't care what they think. There's a man up there that I know can heal me. He's a Lord to me. And I'm going to go see him. So he walked up. He took a chance. The second thing that we find here is he walked to Jesus and he worshiped. He worshiped. And I understand this word worship, guys, is taking on a bit of a different meaning in our world today. doesn't mean the, mean, the word has changed. The actions hadn't changed. Um, it's just people's um, ignorance has increased. But the Bible says here in verse 2, it says, And worshiped him, saying, Lord. And beloved, if you're going to worship the Lord Jesus Christ, truly worship God, Jesus must be your Lord. If he's not your Lord today, or if he's one of a multiplicity of, of lords today in your life, you are not worshiping in spirit and truth. Jesus Christ cannot be your final option in life. He must be your sole option in life. Now, without belaboring the point, I know I've preached and taught on it multiple times, but worship is always unequivocally associated with sacrifice. Law of first mention teaches us in Genesis 22, 5, And Abraham said unto his young man, abide, abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. Now the final blood sacrifice for sin was on the cross of Calvary. But beloved, there's other types of sacrifices in one's life that you're going to have to make if you're going to worship the Lord in spirit and truth. Here we have a leper, a social outcast, a biblical outcast, an emotional outcast, a mental outcast, a physical outcast. And he went up to the Lord. He walked up to him and he worshiped. So where does that leave us today? We see the life of the leper. We see the risk that he took. We see the faith that he had. We see his heart exposed before everyone. But what about the one that we really want to learn about today? Jesus. 
What about the pattern that we need to follow when someone in need presents themselves to us in this life? He walked up to the Lord. He worshiped him. And you know what he was seeking the Lord to do? He was seeking the Lord's will, his will. Look in verses 2 and 3 and watch this with me. Verse 2 says, Behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately the leprosy was cleansed. Now, beloved, in both verses, in both verses, the word wilt and will, one from the leper, one from the Lord, come from the same Greek derivative, which means desire. In other words, what we find here is the leper's heart, the leper's heart's desire was to be cleansed. My soul. He knew he was sick. He knew he was dying. He just wanted to be made whole. But the reciprocating factor is what's important to us. The Lord's heart's desire was to cleanse him. You see, these two desires meet and a difference was made. One had a great need. And the other had a great ability to meet that need. And what I want you to be left with today, the thought that reverberates in your heart, is what do you have to offer to those that are around you? The Bible tells us in 1 John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, it says, Hereby perceive we with we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, that we and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whosoever, whoso hath this world's good, seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? We're going to get deeper into that word compassion next week in our next installment. But when you see this word bowels and you see this word compassion together, that's like when Jesus Christ says, when he says, verily, verily. When he's saying, listen up. It's a double meaning to pay attention. You see, that word compassion, meaning to co-suffer with someone, it comes from the yearnings of one's desires within to help someone else. And then you see bowels of compassion, the depth inside of your heart and your soul today to be able to bring benefit and comfort to someone in need. You see, it was the will that we find, the will both of the leper and the will of the Lord that met in the middle. You say, well, preacher, how are we going to come together with these things? And Well, again, we see the Lord's heart. And every single day, just as I mentioned earlier, every single day, guys, your life is being played out in front of people. What he is, he does. Who you are, you do. His life, his legacy was about making a difference in the lives of others. His shadow is cast throughout the pages of histories as a perpetual reminder and a pattern for others to follow as we continue to pen the epistle of our own life, which is known and read of all men. So, beloved, in closing this morning, I ask you this. What is your will today? What is your heart's desire this morning? If I was to say to you this morning that the Apostle Paul's heart's desire was all of Israel to be saved, well, you know that's true because that's a Bible verse. That's one of his own quotes, that his heart's desire was all Israel to be saved. But he also said that he was willing to put away his own salvation. He was willing to die. Hey, if he could take his own and give it to all, he would have done it. 
I don't know anybody willing to do that. Greatest, the greatest uh, decision ever made in my life was on the 31st of December, 1990, when I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And if you're within earshot this morning, the day that you got, if you're saved, the day that you got saved and, and made that decision, that was the greatest day of your entire life. The second greatest day may be that when you got married. And the third greatest day was when your children started coming. All those things are great and wonderful. But the greatest moment in your life is the moment when you accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So, beloved, I leave you with this thought. When we begin to look at the pattern, the legacy of a life worth living, or leaving a life worth leaving, the life of Jesus Christ and the pattern that he set for each and every one of us, the days that were set before him in a very brief time, the life he lived was for others. His heart, his will, what he was is what he did. The shadow again cast the pages of history. was a pattern for others to follow. Living a life to benefit other people. And beloved, I'm just saying this to you this morning, hoping that you'll take on board Understanding that it doesn't mean you do more. It doesn't mean that you pass more leaflets out or more John and Romans or, or preach more. It doesn't mean that. It means what you do in the interim time is an example of Jesus Christ. Let me ask you this this morning, and I promise I'm done. That leper was so willing to come to Jesus Christ to risk everything. First, I believe in my heart, he knew Jesus could heal him. And that's why he said, if thou wilt, if thou desire, if thou wilt, thou can make me clean. Okay? He says, I will. Be thou clean. Right? These two desires met with one another. So number one, he knew Jesus Christ could heal him. The risk that he took was walking up in the midst of a multitude, risking the chance of being stoned to death. And you may say, well, he just figured that, uh, uh, you know, dying's better than living a life like a leper. That's an easy thing to say. That's an easy thing to say. But we look into his heart of what he wanted to do that day. So the third thing that I say is this. There had to be a level of comfort. There had to be a level of comfort that was met with a known compassion of Jesus Christ, of why he was comfortable to walk up to Jesus and ask him, if thou wilt. So what does that mean for us? It means that our life in his epistle, known and read amongst all men, and I ask you this today, how many are comfortable with bringing their heart's desires, their greatest needs to you today? If people are uncomfortable coming to you, seeking compassion, seeking concern, seeking care, that's because of what they're reading in your life. If they are comfortable with coming to you, if they know they can find compassion and care and concern, it's because of what they're reading in your life. We are an epistle known and read of all men. And this is the legacy, guys. I talked about last week. I'm talking about it now. This is the legacy of living a life worth leaving to others. Will you bow your head this morning?
Heavenly Father, I thank you, dear Lord, for who and what you are and for all that you've done. I thank you for the many gifts that you've given us, the blessings, Father. I ask of you now that if you will, dear Lord, to please just take your message, write it upon the table of our heart. Help us, dear God, continue to look into the life of our Lord and Savior and how he uh, lived that life, Lord, to open up a door, to make a door, uh, a doorway that people would walk through, finding that will and desire to meet his and to be cleansed. Father, I love you and I thank you and I ask you, dear Lord, that we would examine ourselves this morning, that we look into our own very lives and how we can become that open doorway, that passageway of compassion and concern and care for others, that, Lord, you may send forth people into our lives, that we may bring them to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, and then help them in their times and days of need. In Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen. And uh, I do hope and pray that the teaching and preaching of the Word of God today was a blessing to your heart. Before we make any changes or go to our final hymn this morning, uh, Daniel, I want to ask you to come forward, if you will. I ask you to come forward this morning. And uh, if I can get the church to come up, guys. And, uh, we go down there and down So we will, guys, we just want to put a hand on Daniel, gather around him, and uh, we're praying for his protection, his guidance, the Lord's grace in his life, and uh, so if we, if you don't mind, guys, let's just start here with Jason, we'll work all the way around the circle, and I'll close this up, so Jason, Kelvin, Adam, Andy, Boy, and myself. Dear Heavenly Father, stand in some way to his armies, Lord, we protect him, we take care of him, and his way has a good, safe journey, and then we... If he's at armies and uh, can be the living waters and know, uh, be the good solid believers and can be influenced to his around. And Lord, you take her, uh, her body, her, her mind, her will, and in this journey, he will be the, uh, your uh, great followers in this journey. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, Heavenly Father, we thank you for Daniel. Lord, we thank you for your protection. Lord, we just thank you for that you put a hedge around him. Lord, we just thank you just to, to protect him. Lord, for traveling mercies wherever he goes. Lord, and we just pray that he's just, Lord, um, uh, he, he just oozes you, Lord. We just thank you that, Lord, he can just um, proclaim the gospel, Lord. We just thank you that whoever he comes into contact with, Lord, that he would just, Lord, just, just be, Lord, who you want him to be. So, Lord, we just thank you. And we just praise you for Daniel, Lord, in Jesus' name, Amen. Heavenly Father, I pray peace about Daniel, traveling mercies, Father, in face of training, Lord. Father, please protect him in everything he's just going to stand before him now, Lord. Please grant him your warrior spirit, Father. Please send your Holy Spirit protect him, Father. Please give him opportunities to witness for your honor and glory, Lord. I pray you speak through him for your honor and glory, Lord, and your will will be done, Father, through his life. In Jesus' name, I pray. Lord, it's me a blessing to get around Daniel, Lord, uh, all these years. I pray that uh, you can stay with him, keep him strong, and witness to the, the, the colleagues, um, 
and friends that he meets uh, on his journey, Lord. I pray that uh, you know you protect him uh, through his ways and um, really make him strong and um, just be with him, Lord. Again, I'm going to miss him, Lord, and uh, I wish him all the best. And in, in regards to um, all the church, uh, I know that we, we'll miss him, but again, we'll, we'll pray for him every day that uh, we can get other people saved and, and protect all. Amen. Father, we do thank you, Lord, again, for the opportunity to come and bow our hearts, Lord, before thy throne. And Lord, we come and we pray over Daniel today. We ask you, Lord, to please answer the prayers, hear them. As the petitions come before you, I pray you answer them according to your will. But Lord, we just ask you, Lord, today that you would set a hedge protection around him, around his heart, around his mind, and Lord, his emotions, Father, his body. We pray that you give him, say, traveling mercies up over the weekend, Lord, and as he kicks things off and, and basic training, Lord, I pray from, uh, from, the, from the first moment, Lord, that you would please give him the clarity of thought and mind to, to make the right decisions. No matter what may be going on around him, Lord, help him be that shining light. Uh, Lord, help him be, uh, Father, a testimony of thy grace, Lord. Uh, Lord, even if he has to stand alone, help him understand, dear God, that he's, he's never alone for you are standing with him. So, Lord, I pray today that you please would protect my boy. I pray that you watch over him. I pray that you guide him. And, Lord, just help him in every endeavor, every decision, every choice, every turn, every twist. Uh, Father, I just pray that you would give him, the uh, Lord, the direction. Give him the fortitude, Father. Help him take his raising, dear Lord, to the next level of that which he has learned, both from him, uh, from himself and his mother. Uh, Lord, and applied in his life to be a worker, a laborer, Father, to be diligent. And again, despite all around and despite all odds, I pray, dear God, that you would bless him to do the right thing, Father, in my eyes. So, Lord, whatsoever he does, I hope and pray that he is heartily as of the Lord. I pray that you bless him, touch him, sanctify him, dear God, and use him for thy will. In Jesus Christ's name, we ask these things. Amen. Amen. Closing song will turn to 